Shut up and sit down. So for those of you that don't know what you're listening to, um, I don't know how the fuck you found us. But thank you and welcome. <laughs> this is the New Utah <laughs> Podcast. Uh, this is episode number 46. What can I say except you're welcome? There, I sing for you. Some more show tunes from Jess. That's great. Yes. That's great. <laughs> they're not even show tunes. They're, they're like my made up songs, which... Uh, you know, if you didn't know that the uh, that my girls are not really my girls, um, that they're someone else's children. Um, oh, biologically. Biologically. I, I think that you would probably still think Sean might be my kid. That's true. Because <laughs> I sing the dumbest songs all the time, just randomly, like we'll be laying in bed watching a show and I'll just start singing some stupid ass song and Sean does the same thing. That's all the, the best. <laughs> so. Made up songs. Yeah. <sighs> You're 46, guys. 46. What is what is that? There's no... What is 46? Is Nothing. anything special? It's there? 46. <laughs> it's 46. It's almost <laughs> If you 50. add it together, it's 10. It's not 50. It's not a full year. It's just 46. It's like eating. It's, it's getting close. It's getting really close to a full eight, year, right? It's eight crazy. episodes. And we have not skipped a week. <clears throat> We've been on every single week. We didn't take one off. Even we're when we awesome were on like vacations. That. It's true. It's true. Or crazy. Um, so, uh, snow. Yes. The other day. So I was at the RSL game. Um, <laughs> yeah, you were. Bree and I were at the RSL game on Saturday. And, uh, hey, are you going to introduce everybody really quick before we get to I'm Chris. Home? That's Jeremy. There's Bree and there's Jess. Hey. So, Hi. Hey. So back to the RSL. Uh, yeah. So we're at the game, <laughs> right? And it's, co- so first off, we get there and we get there kind of late for us. And especially because we were going to the tailgate ahead of time. And so we only got there like an hour and a half early. Because well, we, we were prom shop. We were prom yeah, dress shopping. Well, Bree was prom dress shopping. I was sitting at home playing a lot of video games while she was prom dress shopping. Multitasking. <laughs> was, That's right. It was awesome. Uh, anyway, so we get there, and the tailgate lot's really empty. I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> People are pussies. <laughs> we are not going to have a big turnout for this there game. There were like three fire pits, though. Because, yeah, yeah, a lot of people had brought out portable fire pits and I hooked them up. I told Chris, I'm all up for tailgating if we can bring a fire pit from now on. And I'm kind of disappointed because MLSsoccer.com, the league's big website people were there kaylin carr who's one of the guys that goes around and travels for them they were there interviewing most of the supporter groups and you know being in the tailgate lot with everyone and the tailgate lot was pretty empty like you know how full it was when oh, you yeah. went a few weeks ago it was packed to capacity yeah it's probably like a third of that yeah maybe a third wow. of that until and so then you know we went into the game and the game filled up fairly nicely i, I would say probably seventeen thousand or so showed up where it was the number which is admirable because it's a cold, rainy, windy day. Um, well, that cold, rainy, windy day turned to snow close to halftime. <laughs> and I bet less than 4,000 people stuck around after halftime because <laughs> that started We snowing, got the snowing. best show because we won 3 nothing. Yeah, Three separate people scored. Remember that time I sent you soccer juju and you were like, we don't need it. And yeah. I was like, but here you go anyways. But see, did we need it? 
We totally did it without your juju, even though you gave Just it. How to do me. you know she didn't give you juju well, this time? Well, then now time. you got to give me fucking soccer juju every well, single game. Well, I think she game. could probably do that. Every game. Maybe I can. Juju is free. If you don't, I'm calling your ass out and telling everyone it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, crazy game. A lot of snow. They had to break out the orange ball in the second half. They were shoveling. Uh, it got to the point by the end of the game where. If the ball was on the other end of the field, they were shoveling off the lines again. But on the I heard that end. the teams loved it. Like, they loved those conditions playing in. Well, so it's interesting if you talk to soccer players. Soccer players actually love rain because they like to slide. And when you slide and it's raining, you slide forever. Who doesn't like to slide? So <laughs> snow's quite a bit different. Like, you hydroplane as you're running in snow. Like you're because your cleats got to get through like that's what I two to three said. Inches and then, <laughs> yeah, so sliding, you get snowballs up your shorts. I was like, that's gotta so suck. I got to go back and watch the replay because I was listening to a different podcast today, uh, a soccer podcast. Apparently, Luke Mulholland was throwing snowballs <laughs> in the game. Well, did you see what what Nicky did to him yeah, after Nick, the game? Nick Romano like, totally tackled him, tackled and like, him and like whitewashed him on the ground, like buried his head the in the snow. After the game was over, would have oh. been on TV. But anyway. Uh, so yeah, but the the ball when you kick it in the snow, it doesn't like, really move very far. Yeah, you kick it, and you think it's gonna go twice the distance it actually goes. Loses its its so. momentum pretty quickly. Uh, but we do. I think I'll just tell you guys the episode title now. Um, oh shit! It, where's it at? I wrote it down. Jim Debacus gets kicked out of everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Debacus oh, and I, his husband I, Stephen get kicked out of everywhere I, and are arrested. I had Jim Debacus pseudo club owner uh, written down, <laughs> but. No, I, don't I think know. Jim Debacus gets kicked out of everywhere. I got to write that down. <laughs> That's awesome. Too. So, and and uh, you guys have got to stick to the end. We have it's going to be abbreviated us talking about ourselves. Uh, and we I'm have, sure you'll be disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, Chris doesn't have to tell one of his stories now. <laughs> Chris didn't interrupt just twenty thousand times oh, no, during we'll, events. We'll still have that happen. Um, but uh, pretty long interview with Jim Debacus, uh, about an hour and twenty minutes. Um, Senator Jim DeBacchus. Senator Jim DeBacchus. Utah Senator. Amazing uh, guy. Former okay. former chair of, of Utah Democratic Party. Um, and former club owner. <laughs> and former art dealer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Russian art dealer. Anyway, um, so we'll save all that for the interview and stop talking about it now. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so back to RSL. Uh, I just wanted to <laughs> say a couple more things and then, then we'll move on. Um, so that was, that was crazy. But the, the snow, like it was wet and frozen and heavy. I didn't like, know what you guys are talking about. I didn't have snow at my house. <laughs> yeah. All right. Look, <laughs> the some of us of live on snow. planet earth and some of us live in Saratoga Springs. <laughs> so, yeah, a, it was nearly white out blizzard. And so, you know, the big giant willow at the end of my street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, half of it is broken. Now. That seemed to be the case around most of Utah. Our, the thunder plum, the purple thunder plum that's in our thunder backyard. cloud plum. Whatever. The fucking purple tree. <laughs> it like <laughs> fell over. It's almost uprooted. I'm going to have to dig it back out and put it, replant it essentially. Holy cow. That's sad. It's like, but the willow, like huge pieces have like sheared off. So say it's a very good thing the bees haven't come yet. Yeah, because they'd be dead again. Well, do you think that all that damage is because a lot of the trees had leaves? Normally, yes. they don't have leaves. Yeah, so if you snow. notice, like, the trees that... So we kind of lucked out. I'm surprised that tree survived. But, like, even our back trees, they don't have a lot of their leaves yet, and so they didn't collect as much, but they were pretty weighed down. They were. Because it, like, it was, like, three to four inches on those trees. Like, it was crazy. And that willow was fully 
in you know fully leaved at that point. So I don't. Is that how you say it? Because I don't. Leaved. I don't really think of it as leaves, but they are. Bloomed. Yeah, Blossomed. Yeah, they are leaves. Yeah, and dressed the, the blossoms from our our thunder plum <laughs> cloud bullshit tree, uh, the purple leaning tree in our backyard. The blossoms are all gone now, thanks to the snow. Sad. Hopefully, our uh, lilies will survive. They're not lilies. Whatever they are. Oh Whatever. yes, they are. They're Never mind. Tulips. You keep calling them daffodils, call, and so no, I was I ready them, to. I called them tulips. tulips the other day. So I've been ready to to correct him, and I corrected him, but I didn't need to correct and him because he actually called them the right thing. Uh, you, you are much louder than Jim Debacus. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. So the snow is crazy. A uh, couple other things. RSL. I'm just going to railroad us right into events. I don't care about your weekends. Uh, I do. I'm just kidding. But I'm going to railroad us into events in the interest of time. So RSL Manchester United tickets uh, went on sale today for extra tickets for season ticket holders. They get four extra tickets. Um, so by the time people are listening, they'll probably be gone. Oh yeah. Uh, well, so by the time, so the, find someone that find someone that you know that's a season ticket holder that will buy you tickets. Um, there's only like four tickets left in my section. Um, there are. Still a significant number of tickets, it looks like, around the stadium. Um, but the cheapest seats with our discount, um, this is not the price we paid for our tickets, but with our discount, the cheapest seats is the GA section where the supporters sit, 75 bucks a ticket with okay. my discount. Menu. When they go on sell publicly, they're going to be even more uh, than that. So, And that will probably happen sometime next week. So keep your eyes and ears open because there will be a big announcement. And and what, sure date is, what date is that game? July 17th. Okay. So it's um, for happy birthday, Chris. Yeah, it's kind of a birthday present that I bought myself. So, um, you already bought your birthday present. I know. And if you would stop talking about it, I'd forget all about it by the time <laughs> July rolls around. I'm buying myself a Howard Jones ticket. Hojo again? Hojo. Howard Jones, English Beat, and Men Without Hats. So, are you going to stay at the. Oh, I go Hojo. Was that the slogan for Howard Johnson? <laughs> the Howard Johnson. The I go Hojo. They that over the hotel that had know. the like the video game controllers and shit. So uh, anyway, so uh, enough about uh, soccer. Um, well, what else is going on? I saw Travis Tate this weekend at oh, yeah. Wise oh, Guys. Yeah, speaking of speaking of Travis, he's guys. really actually funny, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> not not just on the show. I'm sure so <laughs> it is it is good to bring up Travis. Um, his show, the May the Fourth show, it's coming up. It's a couple weeks Get out. Your tickets. Get your tickets now. It's for a good cause. It's super it's, fun. It's for some charity stuff and things that he's talked about. Um, that's a charity event, right? I, I, I don't, don't think, think so. so. Oh. It's just, just his, his show. show that um, he's he's okay. headlining. Fuck it. Just get your tickets. So it's only five <laughs> bucks, right? It's only five bucks. So he's know. headlining, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah. So it's going to be like an hour set. Or yeah. Something. And I think this is only like his fourth show that he's headlined, fourth or fifth show. So, so May good. the 4th. And he's really bummed that I won't be there. So, well, you're an I, asshole and a shitty person. So. Pretty much, <laughs> <laughs> not really. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so yeah, go get your get your tickets for that. You can get them online at Wise Guys. It's um, on a Thursday, so of course Chris can't go. Um, well, I'm, I might still go. We'll see. You should. I promise. He is super funny, and he was actually more funny. Then the other two openers and the headliner this last weekend. So that does happen sometimes. Interestingly yeah. enough. So, um, what else is going on, Jess? Well, Easter. Easter is this weekend. What's Easter? So it's lizards with eggs. 
<laughs> and bunnies and rabbits. But really, if you get an opportunity to uh, step outside your comfort zone and perhaps there's plenty of churches that are doing celebrations, go experience something different uh, like the Cambodian Festival yeah. uh, celebrating their New Year. Uh, we had uh, Chinda on last week talking about his dance troupe that will be there Um if for anything, squeeze some really delicious food. And uh, and that's all weekend, right? Saturday and Yes. Sunday. I believe that starts on Friday night and goes till Sunday. Yeah. Yes. And the food is supposed to be amazing. The food is amazing. Even just get the just fried go, spring rolls. I was just going to say, even if you just get the spring rolls. That's all it's about. Meat on a stick. Meat on a stick. So, uh, what, a else? what else? Stick. So, Easter. Easter is, uh, I'm not a church guy. Sixty. Yeah, it's Sunday, and it snuck up on me because uh, I don't buy baskets and fill them with shit. You just eat the candy has been out since February fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, In your belly. Yeah, I put on some weight from that candy. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, like Halloween candy, mm, I can take it or leave it. But Easter Easter candy is pretty amazing because Easter's the kind of candy I like, which is just like pure sugar in some design. I still can't find that egg carton with the chocolate marshmallow eggs though, and uh, I need them. I'll get you some. Thanks. I I'll some. I'll see if I can find some. Somebody some. needs to get me some. Smith's Marketplace. They weren't at mine, so the if you see them, off uh, buy them for back me. Bacchus Highway back. They had them. It's not last called. Weekend. It's not called Bacchus Highway. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the Mountain View corridor. Well, no, Bacchus is no, behind it. Back, and Mountain there's View. There's a Bacchus. Right in true. That's true. Yeah. Somebody so, just get them for me. Anyway, that that one. The one out in Magna? No, 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 no. no. The one by me. <laughs> no, uh, it's. Anyways. Anyway, so uh, yeah, Easter. I'm gonna make something. And that'll be all <laughs> all a rabbit. Are you having rabbit for Easter? I, I, I messaged Love Chris to today and I was like, uh, it's Easter. We should probably invite my mom to dinner. <laughs> so we both texted yeah. her at the same time. She smoked something in the smoker. Uh, yeah, we'll see what I happens. I want pork chops. Well, speaking of smoking things, you could go to the Mountain Man <laughs> Rendezvous. Oh, that's right. Chris's uh, favorite. Up in Ogden at Fort Bonaventura that we talked about last well, week. Just because <laughs> I have an aversion to fucking bullshit, like Mountain Man style stuff, doesn't mean it's not going to be a fun event for people that don't. Yeah, because there's going to be a buckskinning event. Whoa. Oh, nasty. <laughs> I said that last week. Where were you guys on that? I didn't she hear said, you say she that. She said buck skinning, not butt skinning. I know what she said. <laughs> Just making sure. I think that I would rather see a butt skinned than a buck skinned. Uh, I'll show you my butt skin pretty, later. Whoa. I've seen your butt skin. You like it. It needs to be shaved. Speaking of shaving things. <laughs> <laughs> I win. The DWR is doing mountain goat watching on Saturday. Oh, that's right. So you can go up Little Cottonwood Canyon to the park and ride. Wait, how that's, how's that shaving? That's what I was going to ask. Sherry. Harry. <laughs> well, to be fair, goats do like to scratch their butts on rocks. I guarantee you, if you go watch the mountain I goats, I bet you can YouTube that. Shaving. I bet you, if you watch, Harry, I I don't know if Chris has a hairy butt. Everything but on Chris goats are hairy. hairy, except for the top of his head. That's why I was saying. Oh, and you hate me. Even that laugh that she was making was incredibly fake. So no one thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> now she's rolling over. <laughs> She can't even contain herself. Her, that was awesome. 
her, her own funniness is sunken in. <laughs> okay. We're going to, we don't have a lot of time, so we need to get through, right. through right. events, you guys. Let's found these out. Yes. Um, if you are interested in experiencing some Highland games, like not watching, but actually participating, they're doing a clinic Whoa. up in Syracuse. It's $25. When is yeah. this? On Saturday. Like uh, saber tossing, that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Which is totally awesome. And, you know, maybe you'll be so good at it that you can be in them in June. Or maybe you'll get a hernia. Or maybe you will. Jesus. <laughs> um, an update on the kite festival that we talked about the last couple of weeks. It kite. snowed. Right. Snowed. And so they moved it to m- the beginning of May. Flying a kite in the snow is not exactly... Well, especially, yeah, anyways. In a whiteout blizzard. You're like, oh, I got my snowshoes on. I'm flying my kite. It wouldn't fly. It Not would be if too it was heavy. actually snowing, yeah. Yeah. It would be too heavy. And if they were the thin white, what about? that thin, thin paper, yeah, they should just kites. crush. Uh, Time and Place, which is an awesome little plant shop T-H-Y-M-E. here. T-H-Y-M-E. Yes, uh, who hosted our dear friend from Ireland. It's right around the corner. It is right around the corner from where we are. Uh, they have a, they do workshops all the time and they sell out all the time, but they're doing a moss and mushroom wreath workshop. It sold out when the sod show was here. So if you're interested in those kind of fun planting things, check out Time and Place and Melinda is amazing over there. Okay. What do we got coming up in like two weeks or something? Record store day. Yeah, what, what, <laughs> what day is that? The 22nd and the 23rd. And we have a tons of record shops. I'll elaborate a little bit more next week. Um, but we also have something very exciting, you guys. It's Nick Passy's album release next week. Oh. Nick and Jeff have their uh, show at the acoustic space at the Gateway on the 21st. And it is almost sold out. So contact Nick Passy to see if he still has tickets. And um, also the Davis County Democratic Convention is the 22nd. And I just say that because I believe our friend Ginevra is going to be part of that because she is running for secretary up there. So get involved. So lots of fun stuff. Uh, Lots of things to do. Sure. Nice list, Jess. Thanks. The Falcons have their home opener too. Do you remember who they are? The Fuck football team? Stupid. The women's football Really? Oh, it's the women's The team. women's football oh, team. No. Do they spell Falcons with the Z? They do, because this is Utah. <laughs> I'm so glad and that Rayal. I was going to say because they're women, but... No, because no, everything about Rayal is named with the Z. So that's at Cottonwood High School the on jazz, the 15th. The buzz. 3 p.m. Go support the these awesome ladies. It's indoor. Is it indoor or is it outdoor? Cottonwood High School out, uh, outdoor. Also coming outdoor. up in the next couple of weeks, uh, you'll be seeing prom people out at your typical shitty restaurants like Olive Garden. Oh, like the freaking Cheesecake Factory the this cheesecake last weekend. Factory. It's already happening because I know Olive yeah, so, Garden. So just keep in mind all through the month of April, maybe into the first week of May. Make fun of um, them. Photobomb their pictures. Just don't go to shitty restaurants and you'll be fine. <laughs> go to a real local business and uh, you should be fine. Or I recently discovered that apparently Apparently, Juan Diego is an anomaly in the way that they do prom, which what? is... You mean a private school is different than the public Shut school the system? <laughs> they don't do like the all-day prom, like, let's go bowling and then do all this other stuff. Like, they just go to prom. Um, so that's only an anomaly in the state of Utah. That is true. The rest of the world well, doesn't do all we're that We're talking bullshit. about Utah stuff, aren't we? <laughs> So this is Utah, the new Utah. Utah podcast. does some weird, stupid 
prom all day shit. That's the only time I've ever been skiing was before. Yeah, before <laughs> dates. That's wow. that's real. <laughs> Sean's like, I need all day to get ready. Why would I want to go do something? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't need all day. She needs to sleep in it until one to be or that. two. She needs her beauty sleep. Be that way. I don't remember. I'm too old, and I had a boyfriend who I didn't who didn't care about shit like that. Me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I did not go to my prom. Actually, I went and got drunk instead with friends. That was the only dance I consistently yeah, went to. Chris's brother uh, was was visiting over the weekends in a surprise thing, and we had Sean's dress, and so I was just showing his his girlfriend her her dress, and she's like. Yeah, my girls go to the alternative school, and so they're probably just going to wear sundresses to prom. And I went, oh. Prom? Uh, yeah. Well, it's an alternative school in a town of 12,000, so that tells you what the uh, pot. The dance will have six kids at it. There are two of them. So let's talk about a few things, uh, a few Utah things, and uh, then we'll uh, talk to Jim. Um, so... We've talked a little bit about this, but actually KSL just came out with a uh, a really lengthy uh, report um, on Utah's housing shortage problem. And um, they actually referenced a couple studies in here, but I mean, Utah's got a serious problem with housing shortage, right? Like the numbers you guys are all looking at me like you didn't read no we read it but there's so many numbers like every single paragraph has a statistic and 12 numbers in it and And when i and when i hear this it just reminds me of a gal that was on a local radio station that was talking about this that she's essentially being forced to be homeless because yes she has the money but there's nowhere to go yeah there's there's there are not homes um and that's what it boils down to so um, in 2016, um, Utah's growing like super fast. Uh, we passed 3 million in 2016. Um, our economy's still doing really well, which means people are still coming to Utah. Um, between 2012 and 2017, um, we had a 69.5% drop in housing inventory over that five year period. So basically, what that means, we went from 3,500 homes available listed out on the market to less or right around a thousand, um, in that, that time frame. So, and, and that's kind of a rolling number, right? So right. you figure there's roughly 3,500 homes on the market back in 2012. Well, so, after, after the crash of 2008, we ended up with a huge backlog. Yeah. Yeah. And so it took till about 2012. Well, to, and we lost a bunch of builders. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they're in jail. Some of them. Mine is. <laughs> <laughs> some of them. Um, some some of the HOAs are having problems from back then. Um, <laughs> Whatever we won. <laughs> um, but essentially what's happened is, so we've got this huge boom in population. And if you look in, you know, Thanksgiving Point and you see those huge tech centers just getting, just just going up like, like, like. Gangbusters. Yeah, just gangbusters. So, um Basically, now with less than a thousand or right around a thousand homes listed at any given time, that's just not enough homes for people to live in. Not only that, but it's getting expensive. Yeah, right? the home prices. Well, better. and land. If if you want to be in Salt Lake, generally speaking, 
land is running out. Yeah, land's homes. running There's out. Not even in the Salt Lake Valley in general. That's yeah. why you know you saw a lot of people moving to Saratoga Springs back in like 2010, 2011. Um, because there's a lot less land here. Right. That's why Harriman's exploding because there's well, still some space there. They said that space is still it is, but, the quickest growing. But, but it's filling in quick too. Well, and even out in Harriman, a new home is like three hundred and seventy grand. Starter homes are not three hundred thousand dollar homes. Your starter homes are under two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's there's some specific like you know special people interest stories there uh, but what it boils down to is you know we've added 109,000 households but only 81,000 housing units well it um, says the in, median in the cost year. of a, a a starter home went from 114,400 in 2012 to 179,950 this year yeah so it's becoming cost prohibitive and that's just that's just simple supply and demand where that comes from Right, we're we're growing. So if if you are a seller, uh, this is the time to sell your home and make a huge chunk of change. <laughs> you just don't yeah, have anywhere, anywhere to go, anywhere to buy. <laughs> yeah, just keep in mind you're you're going to struggle to find sell a sell it tomorrow. But good luck um, but this, I mean, th- that actually plays hand in hand with what's going on with the homeless center, right? Yes. So people aren't just homeless because they're degenerate ass wipes, right? <laughs> they're homeless because. There's not enough fucking houses to put them. Right. Uh, and so uh, today, actually, uh, this afternoon, um, they finalized the sites. Uh, and we don't have the story on it, but uh, it's the two sites in Salt Lake that have kind of stayed the whole time. So sugar, on, the sugar house, like the DI sugar house, is that? That's gone. That's out. So it's the one on 1st South and 7th East. And then the other one is... Isn't that the one that's by I want to say Home it's, Depot? it's like... Seventeenth South and something third west. west. Third no, west. No, it's further west than that. <clears throat> it's somewhere there. It's it's close to the freeway, basically. And then the other one is out in South Salt Lake, off of Thirty Third and like Tenth West. So kind of closer to the county. They're gonna jail. ruin the Jordan River. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? Like, first off, dead bodies float in the Jordan River now without the homeless shelter being anywhere near it. And cars. Um, and and piss and poop and garbage. and It's not exactly a beautiful waterway. Um, but people are still concerned that what's happening at Rio Grande is going to happen at these other centers. That's just not the case. The biggest one will be the one in South Salt Lake. It's going to be 300 beds. They're specialized centers. So construction is not even going to start till next March. No, it's going to take so a while. So we're talking clear into 2019 probably yeah. to be People completed. have no idea what zoning and well, all and of that takes for anything. You're looking at a year from the time you start the process till the time you're breaking yeah. ground. Well, and so one of the cool things is the, the site in South Salt Lake is an old DI. And the church gave up the property and said, you guys can have it for a homeless shelter. So really, really cool the church to do. Um, as that much cool. as I think they do right. some cool things. I said it was cool. You're looking at I me. know. <laughs> so like, that's cool. Uh, speaking <laughs> of development, um, the Sugar House Shopco that hasn't been open for like a year. I think it's been less than that. It's been. I like used to work right by the Sugar House. It closed Shopco. in. It closed. I used to shop at the I Sugar like House Shopco. It closed in Why? January. Why were you doing I like that, that one? Do you take shopping? Do you take? Why? So <laughs> I have this theory about <laughs> Shopco. Um, every time I've ever been into a Shopco. It's old people with checkbooks that are checking hey, out. Hey, I have a checkbook. And you fit right in at Shopco. Like, legit, they're the only retailer I know that still takes checks. And they're pretty much all closing. I know. So. I need to go see if they have my silverware still. Because <laughs> it's the only place that had it. Amazon.com. Nope. I'm sure it exists somewhere. 
They didn't have their own brand of stuff, did they? Mm-mm. So, anyway, is so that Kathy Ireland? Everything they're failing. <laughs> I thought she was Kathy Kmart. Ireland. She's Kmart. I don't know. Kmart's oh, okay. failing. Kmart's out of business. Payless. Payless is out Payless of business. Payless is toast. They are toast. Payless was in Shopgoes. Uh, <laughs> they were trying everything they <laughs> That's could. They were. True. <laughs> they were. So, but anyway, so they and are. Kmart. So the guy that owns that property, the group that that owns that Shopco, they are planning to tear down the building and put a street. In there, put a street. Um, yes, a street, a road. Yeah, so as it were. basically, that doesn't even it's make a, sense because there are other businesses. Well, the movie there are other streets. No, 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 no. Well, so the Shopco building is semi-separate. If you look at this picture, this is the <laughs> street. <What> the <laughs> You're talking on a podcast. I'm talking to Jess, but we're look, looking at a map for so those look. of you who can't so see, here's, which is everyone. Here's the Shopco. Here's where they're going to put the new road, right through the back. So the new, here. You, can see, you can see on this map the road that goes up to it and stops and then goes behind it. Yeah, so basically, you know, the, there's the there's the movie theater and then across the way the there's the little garden. crappy... What? There's not an olive garden there. Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. There's an olive garden there? Yeah. yeah. It used to be like a game and a store. Red, and a red lobster. Like right yep. here. No, 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 no. Not, not up there. I'm talking about where the movie theater is. Down, the, down Wilmington. Down, on, down off of Highland, right there. It's off of Wilmington. It's on Highland. Um... But but right there, the, the movie theater that's there. I promise. The Sugar House Dollar Theater. Uh-huh. Yep. Right across from that, like across the little like parking lot road, mm-hmm. there's a group of buildings, just a little strip mall thing. Yes. The road will go right behind those. Gotcha. And it'll go up through where the Shopco is all the way up to 13th, um, which basically will connect you into the freeway, more or less. And they're going to do some kind of park space next to it. So some green space, some walking space. Poor Shopco. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, did you know Sugar ugly, House anyway. was the old Sugar House uh, penitentiary? What? Yes, I did. The Sugar House Park. It's good to know. So where Sugar House Park is was the Sugar House penitentiary. I used to work right across Didn't know that. Yeah, late 1800s. This building. Oh. Here, we'll show Jess more on the map. See, Jess, this building right here? <laughs> I used to work in this building. Yep, whatever. But you still can't get the street right. <laughs> it's Wilmington Ave. It's not. It says Highland. I know what you're talking about. No. Even without a map. This street Kay. right here. <laughs> well, don't worry. We'll Google map it later. I'll show you. Um, so the uh, Salt Lake Tribune um, just got a Pulitzer. Yeah. For their campus rape coverage. Like it, almost exactly a year ago to the date. Yeah. yeah. And we did. We have talked about this a, a few times. A couple times, but yeah. they're the ones. I mean, if, if we're being real, they're the ones that... Um, Broke the BYU story. We are so real. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I hate you so much. No, they broke the BYU story. Um, the, you know, honor code bullcrap that was going on where the girl goes and, yes. you know, says, hey, I She actually has changed policy at BYU. She's done amazing things. It has not gone far enough. BYU no. still pile of shit when it comes to that stuff. Yep. They still haven't officially changed a They're lot of the policy. They're still kicking people like to back us out. But, you... But, <laughs> You can, but, no, he left on his own. No, but, sure. but they are, but they are talking about it. Uh, UVU has made some huge changes. They have actually made changes. Um, to, well, they're to a little smaller policies. and not quite so affiliated with the church. So, um, so I mean, they're also a public institution versus a private university. Um, but they've they've won some accolades, and, and really, what it comes down to is the. The ability is, to get the openness from these these victims to come forward, and, right? And this is only the second Pulitzer that the Tribune has won. Good job it, for the Tribune in, a, in their 150 year history. So that's huge. That's huge. Even um, the even the Deseret News wrote a congratulations to the Tribune because they didn't get one. So, but let's <laughs> surprise, surprise. Let's be clear. 
I fucking hate the Tribune website. I know. Uh, that's because they give you pop-up ads for every single... <laughs> Not just pop-up ads, but pop-up virus shit now. Every oh, time I, I go there, come across like that. one out of either. every three pages that I look at, I get a stupid like pop-up that you can't kill that requires you to click OK. Uh, and then I have to just kill Maybe somebody needs to, to let their programmers know because I bet you they don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it's some crappy virus advertiser that they're anyway, letting But they're, they have printability, which KUTV does not. Yes. Anyway, yeah. congratulations, Salt Lake Tribune. But yeah, huge deal, huge deal to get that. That's a it's a really big deal to win a, a Pulitzer, especially as a newspaper. Um, you know what else is a huge deal? The University of Utah. So, <laughs> um, the University of Utah has become the first uh, Power Five school. So that's the big five athletic conferences: the Pac-12, the Big Fifty-two, or whatever the fuck it is now. Fifty-two is that a real well, thing? So it was the big the, It was the Big Ten, and then the Big <laughs> Twelve, the and then the whatever, and then the SEC, the ACC. I don't remember them all. Anyway, so um, Utah is the first of those to offer esports scholarships. Um, so esports, in case you didn't know, are not really sports. Um, they are video games. <laughs> <laughs> so the University of Utah is offering partial scholarships to, um, I don't remember. Just how say it straight it for video gaming. For video gaming. For video gaming. Specifically Competitive for, for playing League of Legends competitively. I don't remember how many scholarships it is at the time, but their goal is to move that up to 35 full-time scholarships for students. What's really cool is it's being done from the College of... Um, this is like a 12-year-old's dream come true. Uh, entertainment Chris's dream Entertainment Arts and Engineering Department. <laughs> was, um, it is. It's really cool. <laughs> you know, so here's the thing. You guys laugh, but in Korea, these guys are superstars that play video games. They make more money than you do. Yeah, but Korea's playing gonna, video <laughs> games. But North Korea is going to blow South Korea up. So, but playing video games. I mean, I it's it's a huge deal. I think it's awesome. Like prison time for <laughs> cheating in a video game. Big deal. That's what? the kind of laws they have in South Korea. Holy shit. So, and, and there's a bunch of other schools that have done this across the country. Um, all smaller institutions, primarily though. Utah, like I said, University of Utah is the first. Well, we're kind of a techie place. Like we're a gaming place. We're a developing place. Just like, speaks a lot to to how awesome Utah is, really. And that's, that's right, that's people. Kind of we don't say it enough. Well, the Princeton Review named it named the U U E A A, which is Utah's Entertainment and Arts Engineering Department, the country's best video to game. Video, bleh, yeah. I can't even speak. Well, yeah. and if you, you know, if you question yeah. that, Microsoft has offices here for that reason. Um, yes, Disney does. Too. Disney Interactive has some. Most of your major game design companies have offices here, uh, getting developers from. There's from, lots of virtual reality here too. Yeah, we have the Void Center, which, by the way, uh, I I don't know if I mentioned this. It's open. So you can go down to Linden and you can, you can go onto their website, thevoid.com, uh, and you can reserve a spot and you could go experience Ghostbusters right now. Uh, I wanted you to take me to that and begged you and you still haven't. It just opened last week. <laughs> yeah. You could have gotten me in before. Probably. I probably still can. But, you got uh, the hook up. uh, go. It's really That's that cool. that job that I didn't get. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> I'm going to show you that job you didn't get later. Um, <laughs> more, that was like more, a threat. Yeah, it was. Don't worry. She Robots. knows what I'm talking about. Robots are cool. So another really <laughs> freaking awesome thing coming out of Utah. So the University of Utah, also known for robotics and engineering, 
Um, but we had that robot competition a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, in Weber County, though, we have a all an all girl robotics team coming out of it's a high girl school, power. right? Is it a high school or a middle school? It's a, it's a high school. I can't remember. Anyway. It's a high school. Uh, all girl robotics team that's heading to national championships down girl in Kentucky. Power. Is it the is it the battle bots thing where they fight? It's is it not. No, they're so, job bots. Yeah, so they have a specific so, thing where they have to design the robot to pick up like uh, uh, giant, basically play jacks where they pick up jacks and throw them over a wall. So they're not cutting each other up with saws and no, blow they're torches. job bots. They What's have that? what is that called? That's robot wars. Robot wars. Yeah, or battle they bots. Have, they have. They have specific jobs. Rock'em, sock'em, robots. <laughs> yeah. So they have to program these, these some robots. Of them are, yeah, some of them are automatic movements and some are driven so manually. They're, they're, they're automatic They're going the not, not national championships. They're going to the VEX World Championships in That's cool. Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, what's really cool is it's an all-girls team. And if you actually read the article, um, they talked about they were in a competition recently. And they're one of the highest-ranked teams in the country. They were in a competition that was a, a, a little bit different. It was a group competition where we were supposed to group up with another team. They said it was actually really difficult finding someone to partner None with None of them. the boys wanted them. They would rather they go with thought, the lower-ranked teams. Because they all thought the girls were stupider. And wanted stupider. To <laughs> That's not even a word. Exactly. Boys uh, are stupider. But they all thought the girls um, weren't going to be good enough. The girls who were highly ranked, and they would go with lower ranked guys teams. And they to all. Avoid the girls. I love Lost. this quote. And she says, "Hey, we're girls, but we still won." Yeah, and they <laughs> won. They took first place, which is really freaking cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and so it's. Uh, I think it's awesome because it's robotics and. Also, because it's a bunch of girls that are beating the shit out of all the boys in the country. It's so. awesome. And they're from Utah. Go, girls. You go, girls. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, we, you we, sorry. Fucking. <laughs> 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 Chris has dropped the mic. Chris, you always want to talk about really nice things uh, that happen in Utah. I do. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, the last thing is down in Provo. So look, I I bitch about some of the things that happen in Utah, but I, I I do have to say this: in general, the people of Utah are very kind. They are very giving. Um, they like to take care of each other. I mean, I think you're going to hear Jim talk a little bit about this as well, uh, about the community in Utah. Um, but down in Provo, um, and I didn't realize this until after I had read the article from uh, the Daily Herald down there. This was the Provo Daily Herald, right? I don't know. Just yeah, I think uh, so. yes, Herald. Yeah, the yes. Daily Herald. Um, so anyway, there's an article about uh, this family that has a a brother and a sister now. They have another brother too, and they have another brother. But, um So the the first <laughs> Daryl, yeah, Jimmy John. Uh, so no, so it's, it's uh, so Zach. The the kid's name, the oldest kid's name is is Zach. Zach Shack, and he has a, a little shack called Zach Shack, and he created this when he was younger to sell cookies and lemonade to buy wheelchairs for people. So all the proceeds that he makes from selling these cookies and lemonade out of the shack, he only does it for, you know, the summer, I'm guessing, Yeah, uh, goes to buying wheelchairs. And he's he set goals. And so far to date, he's been doing it for a few years, and I think something like 350 wheelchairs he's managed I to do. I think it's uh, more than that. He's managed to do? 350. Yep, 350. So they usually get about six to seven thousand dollars a year, which is enough to buy 30, 30 wheelchairs. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing it for a long time. Well, his sister's opening up shop uh, next to him, uh, and her shack she's is selling pink lemonade. Helen's yeah. Hunt. 
Hut, not hunt. Helen's hunt. <laughs> Shut up. That's the hunt an for Helen's Fuck hut. You. Uh, so, the, Helen. The we cannot turn hunt. this story into foul language story. <laughs> this is about the children. What? Helen's what was, what was hut. That? What was foul about that? Me. I said fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Helen's hut. I meant to, is what um, I meant to say. For for uh, a little girl to to be interested in doing this uh, in in giving is freaking amazing. And the parents seem to think that the the younger brother, who's three or four right now, when he can, he will start doing suit. it. She's only six. Well, that's what, that's this. about when he started his like first grade ish. So, so and this is in Provo on Center Street. Um, I didn't say where on Center Street. Um, just drive down all of Center Street. It's not that big. <laughs> it's five fifty six East Center Street. Okay. Oh, Center, good job, by Jeremy. The way, Center yep. Street's fucking huge. In Provo, and then really he also far. has a, a GoFundMe page. Yeah, so, uh, and he's been to the point, like his mom was talking about, he got to a point where, like, he was so close to a goal that he actually just pulled out his wallet to pay the rest out of his own pocket. And then he was able to make up the balance of yeah, it and people so, heard about it, so. Um, 400, cool. 400 dozen cookies. I don't know why you would write, this is just my nitpicking on this article, why would you write 400 dozen? Why wouldn't you just do the fucking math and make it a bigger number? <laughs> they want people to use their brain power. Like, uh, why don't like you just do say... Math. 3,600 cookies. That seems like a lot more to me than 400 dozen. I don't know. 400 dozen sounds like a lot to me because I don't know how to do math in my head. (laughs) 400 dozen reads like shit, though. And it's actually 4,800. I'm sorry. It's 4,800. See, you did your math wrong. Which is why they should do the math for me, is my point. 400 dozen sounds like more than that to me. Yeah, only 400 dozen sounds like you were going to (laughs) say like hundreds of thousands of cookies. Millions. Millions. Bajillions. Hundreds of, of thousands. I'm not that dumb. I hate you guys so much right now. <laughs> Seriously. It's because you were fed and we had sugar. And I'm driving home so I can leave you here. <laughs> <laughs> we're not in my basement, by the way, if you couldn't tell. Okay, with us today we have uh, Utah Senator Jim DeBacchus. Thanks for uh, Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. We're excited to have you. We've actually talked about having you on the show for a while, so this is a treat. We're thrilled. Everybody at work is all excited. I even put it on my out of office interviewing <laughs> Senator DeBacchus. <laughs> uh, that usually makes ratings plummet. <laughs> she is. Uh, she does work, I work in an for an insurance agency, and they're all pretty much Republican. Oh my yeah. goodness. <laughs> So uh, we're doing this now after the legislative session is over. Um, and uh, I, first, I, I'm kind of curious, what did you do before the legislature, Jim? You mean like like the week before? Like a lifetime? Before you really or? got into you know the Democratic Party and, and becoming a, a state representative and everything else. So I grew up in Massachusetts, came out to Utah because there really were no good colleges or universities in Massachusetts. <laughs> so I came out here, went to BYU, managed to come close to graduation before they decided I was a homosexual. <laughs> Does anybody ever laugh when you say there are no good schools in Massachusetts because both interviews, nobody laughed. And I was like, well, could they not catch that? Well, I mean... <laughs> Just Not saying. everyone thinks that MIT is that great. That's right. It okay. is. It's what? It's a bunch of Ivy League schools. Yeah. MIT. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't okay. Know. BYU. Harvard. 
So you, have you, it. you came out here for BYU. I came out here to go to BYU. Um, I was uh, I was a gangly six footer when I was eleven, and I uh, went to an inner city high school, in Massachusetts, and there was really no no room and not enough talent for a gangly white guy to play basketball. So <laughs> a couple of missionaries knocked on the door, this 11-year-old, and uh, I don't know how, but they, they zeroed right in on where they ought to be and said, hey, we got a basketball team. And off I went to play basketball. And uh, So you were playing church ball at 11 in Massachusetts. Playing church ball. That's rough. <laughs> and then... Out of Salt Lake City came this decision that would have a big impact on an 11 or 12-year-old when they said they changed policy to say only one non-Mormon can play at a time. Because in the meantime, this terrific guy who was taller than I was, Richie Page, came and coach said, well, Jimmy, you're, you're pretty good. You're the second best guy on the team, but, you know, only... You can only play one Mormon, and Richie's better than you are. He said, you know, there's one way you could play. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's the how rest, they caught that's you, That's how huh? they get you in. The rest is history. Gets you with the basketball. <laughs> so are you still LDS? No. No? Well, just, <laughs> we had a meeting of the minds. <laughs> you know, look, I, I don't come from a grudge match, though, against Mormons. You know, I mean, I think uh, in the real world, who wouldn't want Mormons as neighbors? You know, I mean, just common, normal people are pretty friendly and nice, and most of them will give you the shirt off their back. So I don't come from this grudge match kind of Mormon versus non-Mormon. It's annoying to me. But there are some clear differences in the... Yeah, it annoy, Mormons annoy me, too. The policymakers that make no mistake about that, but it, but it doesn't... It all It stays for me on a very... Uh, philosophical, political uh, level it doesn't doesn't get uh, it doesn't get personal. That's good. That's good. So how do you? So you get to Utah. You you go to school. You go to BYU, and you stayed right. And you don't kind of don't quite graduate. Yeah, I, w- I went to BYU, and then uh, you know if there's any Mormons out there, I might, I had a uh, my patriarchal blessing, which is a kind of a foretelling of your future. That, that somebody writes down when you're a young Mormon and it tells you what you're going to do with your life. And mine, I'm Greek, and my my patriarchal blessing said I would be called to serve my people. So I got a missionary call, and it was to San Francisco. So it may, <laughs> different kind of people may have been prophetic. Who knows? There you go. <laughs> so came back, uh, was getting ready for my last semester at BYU, and uh, the. BYU security. This is this is the mid seventies now. It's a di- different world. Yeah, yeah. So they called me in and said, uh, "We understand you're homosexual," which is weird because I never had sex with anybody. But the first semester I was at BYU, I went to see a counselor, and somehow it must have penetrated through. That's the only thing I can think of. I actually didn't know any gay people at BYU, so it was a total surprise. So, like your huh. first semester of your first year in a they come to you before you graduate? Yeah, exactly. And, wow. th- and that was after my mission. So this was this was quite a ways. And they said, you know, we uh, we want names of 10 people. I said, I, what are you talking about? They, they wanted you to rat out the gays? Is that what you're reminiscent saying? of, uh, what is that, where they were in the, uh, where they were calling the movie stars and stuff and trying to get them to oh, rat out the communists? Yeah, yeah. 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 
what the heck? <laughs> so, um, look, I, I mean, I don't know what I would have done if I would have actually known some gay people. I mean, I hope I wouldn't have given any names, but I didn't actually know anybody. So they said, well, you have 24 hours. Come back and either you give us the names. This is a test of your integrity and your loyalty to BYU and to the church. So either give us the names or don't or you won't be back in school. Oh, that's crazy. And so I remember walking back into the administration building, you know, the 24 hours. Later. Look, I didn't know anybody. So I was going to write down the names of Golden Richards and a bunch of the great football players. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, you know, that would be the best thing to do. So instead of going down to talk to uh, the, the uh, security people, the uh, honor code people, I just went and and went to registration and unregistered because you didn't want in the 70s they called that moral turpitude if you were gay and so they would stamp that all over my documents you know as i transferred or tried to go anywhere else and so i decided you know i'm going to do this on my own terms and that was that that was a smart move for a college kid well i don't know i never went (laughs) back so uh yeah but still i mean that was a smart i mean because you think like into the late seventies, the early eighties. I mean, being gay in that era was was dangerous publicly. Um, you know, still dangerous the, sometimes. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's less so now, obviously. But I mean, that was the era of of HIV, and everyone thought if you were gay, you could get HIV. It's a little bit earlier. Somewhere. So that that, that so came, this is even pre. Yeah, this is the mid seventies, and that the, the this HIV is like in the Stonewall. Oh, yeah, it God. came a little bit later, but but there were plenty of reasons to be. Uh, not want to be gay, or not, or not let people know you were gay. But you know, it's a choice. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just don't get it. I, I don't have to walk choice. around and announce that I'm heterosexual. So I don't yeah. see why people have to walk around and announce that they're gay. Like I don't get that. Yeah. You don't announce it. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's a I don't step into a room. <laughs> I'm like, hey, uh, everyone. <laughs> so a guy, a guy came to me because I know you're Utah and and a kind of interesting with an artistic band every now and then so a guy came to me and he wants to produce a five minute video where there is this where there is a mormon guy talking to his his son and in the background there's kind of preparations for a wedding and the guy's putting on his you know his bow tie for the wedding and then um and then the father puts his hand on his son's shoulder and he says you know I know you I know you don't feel this way but you have to marry a man it's just the way that it is <laughs> and the and the kid looks up and he says dad I'm doing it cuz you're forcing me to but I want you to know I I don't I don't really love a man I can't imagine how I'm ever going to do it but it's my duty and my honor and my code and I have to do it for my religion so I'm going to do it. And then he goes walking down the aisle hand in hand. You know? Because, look, that's still the – it isn't about getting married. But the problem with LDS position is, and, and a lot of conservative uh, religious positions, is it's now that's evolved quite a ways to it's okay to be gay, but you can never have a relationship with anybody. You, know, yeah. you can never have sex. You can never have a relationship. You have to live in your aunt's basement for the rest of your life. And that's – that's not really a tenable position when you sit across the table from a group of young LDS people or any other religion to say, okay, 
you can be in this, but you can never, ever, ever have Love a life, it. you yeah. know. So anyway, any of you guys want to finance that? <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the word out. So, I mean, you've got... Uh, okay, so you, you, you are done with BYU. Uh, what did you do after BYU? Um, so I only wanted to do one thing, even when I was at BYU. Talk radio was a new emerging thing then. Mm-hmm. It, it really was less than 10 years old around the country. And that there was only one talk station. Everybody was playing music, even on the AM dial. And you had most of the people on the AM dial. This is, again, in the mid-70s. And I kind of, I loved that. I loved this kind of political talk where people would call in. There was only one station in Utah that was, uh, that was doing talk and it was a mom paw station. So I went up to Salt Lake. I left Provo, moved to Salt Lake, didn't have a job. I actually lived in Pleasant Grove with my old bishop and his wife's, uh, couch for a while till I moved up here. So I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be in radio. That was my love. That was my passion. Although I'd never been on a radio station. I've never <laughs> done it. I just like listening to it. So I went to this one radio station and, and there was an, an owner, a guy named Starley Bush. And I said, Mr. Bush, I, I want to work here. And he said, yeah, okay, kid, fill this out. And he gave me an application and then he stuck it in this big file with I don't know how many. This was full of applications. And if I would have given him $1,000, he wouldn't have been able to pull it out. And I thought, you know, that's not a good sign. So I went back the next day. And he said, yeah, what can I help you with? And I said, well, did you decide anything? And I kept going back and back every day until he finally said, look, go away. <laughs> and then they, they, there was no security, but he told the receptionist, don't let him anywhere near the building. So I kept going back. Look, I didn't have anything to do. I had no, nowhere to go. I mean, I didn't have a life. I had no money. I, but I wanted to do it. So I went and saw that he left to go to lunch. So he's walking out to lunch. And I said, look, Mr. Bush, I'll work on an internship. And he said, what the hell's an internship? <laughs> and I said, I'll work for free. And he said, well, okay, we have a problem. This woman named Laura Ferguson had been... Look, this is early talk radio, early, early. So the talk show people answered the phone live on the air. So they would hit the button. There were three lines that flashed. They would hit the button and say, okay, you're on K-Talk. Well, this woman, who was a bit of a dingbat, this man enjoyed teasing her. So he would call and Laura would say, hi, you're on the air. And the, the man would go, and Laura would go crazy. And then she would take the next call and it would be him again until she was in a complete frenzy. And I, actually, I think it was ratings genius because you just can't imagine how entertaining yeah. it was because she was just totally out of control. And so he said, all right, here's, I, here's what I want you to do. Come at noon. And all I want you to do is answer the phone before Laura answers the phone. And so that was my job. I got there, answered the phone, and I listened to that guy for a while until eventually he figured it out. And so I had nothing to do. So instead of getting there at noon, I got there at 6 in the morning, and I stayed until we signed (laughs) off the air at 6 at night. And that's how I got into radio and TV. (laughs) So what made you move from – was it straight from radio and TV into politics? No. So I had to talk show – 
uh, I had this. Uh, eventually, after six months of working for free, they gave me a talk show, and then I had the talk show, and then I went to all three television stations and had uh, shows on there. And then in 1989, by then I had a what would later be a husband, but a male companion, as I used <laughs> to say. And he he had, he was just graduating from the U, and then he went to Cambridge in England to study. So he came back and said, I'm going to be a bank examiner. And I said, well, it could be more exhaustingly awful than that. <laughs> bank examiner, you know, give me a break. So we decided, um, this is 1990, we decided we're going to pack up, and I'm going to quit my radio and TV stuff, and we're going to move to the Soviet Union. Wow. So we kind of sold the meager things we had. In, in 1990? 1990, yeah. So the commies are still in charge. So um, I had, in 1990, 1981, they were only paying me 600 bucks a month, which even then wasn't a lot of money. So they asked, uh, so the, the guy, I'd say, look, I can't, pay rent you know my rent is three hundred dollars a month and he'd say well there's nothing i can do we don't have any money so he would give me two or three minutes an hour that i could do whatever i want with and trade it or do stuff so i started saying 1981 who wants to go to the soviet union with me so twice a year i would take 50 mostly older ladies <laughs> and we would head out to the adventure of the soviet union and i started making money that way so i had this long experience of maybe 20 trips because i got to go two or three times that's a year a lot, after a while because i was time, making yeah. money yeah that's was was it so by 1990 i'd been there a lot we decided to move over and um I had met a lot of artists, and I saw this passionate, amazing, astonishing Soviet art, which had been hidden since 1917. And these artists, wow. a lot of them had never had an exhibition their whole life. So we went over, decided to move to Leningrad and um, and buy art and set up a business. So after about three months, the Soviets kicked me out of the country. <laughs> Uh, so is that, we, why, is that why they were watching you in Iran? Yeah, you're, uh, you're I, a troublemaker. I think Putin had something to do with it. <laughs> of course, he was about 14 at the time. So, so off we went, and then the closest kind of commie country that you could actually live in was Hungary. So we moved to Budapest, and then I would take the two-day train over to Leningrad, and then I could stay on a 20 day or some short visa and then continue to go back and forth so we started uh, the art business and and so i continue to have an apartment in now st petersburg ever since the old days and um and that's that's what started and it started from there to doing a lot of entrepreneurial stuff as the as the wall came down there weren't very many americans who had been over there and so as these Soviets decided, you know what, we need we need capitalism here. We don't know anything about capitalism. So at Leningrad State University, which is the big, um, kind of like the Harvard of, of Russia, um, some professors came and I donated some money to buy business books for textbooks. So 
they fired all of, at, the, at this same time, they fired all the teachers of Marxism and Leninism. Just like you have to take religion at BYU, you used to have to take Marxism and Leninism. Every student had to take it. They, they considered it a science. So uh, at this time, out went the Marxist-Leninists, in came the business school, but they had no professors a business. Nobody knew how to do a deal. But this is 1992 and nobody had done a business deal since 1917. So it's hard to find, you know, anybody that knows anything. So they said, why don't you teach? And I said, well, I don't, I, you know, I, I got thrown out. What do you, you know, I, I don't know you kicked me out of here. I don't know if I'm qualified. And they said, okay, look, when you're here, you'll teach. And when not, then, you know, we'll find a way. But I didn't know a lot about business, and then, as only the Russians can do, they said, you know, we got an opening for people to teach business, and we have all these professors that don't have a job, so they hired all the old Marxist-Leninists to teach the business. <laughs> so, that's a little... That's a little uh, Counterintuitive. <laughs> so my courses became really popular not yeah. not because i was particularly good but you know compared to the marxist leninists <laughs> I, was, I was a step ahead and so i would hire really the best young minds in this emerging soviet union across 13 time zones uh and then give them a few thousand dollars and we'd be partners and a whole variety of businesses as they would go home and off we went and so that uh I ended up spending most of the next 20 years. Uh, wow. Wow. Headquartered anyway out of uh, St. Petersburg. That's crazy. So what, I mean, just going back a little bit, what, why did you choose Russia to take a trip to Russia? Like in the radio business, like what was it about Russia? that? Well, remember, it was the Soviet Union. Yeah. And yeah. it was dark. And it was, if you watch the Americans. Uh, <laughs> I did in the beginning. Yeah. I love that show, by the way. Yeah. So that's. This it was mysterious. It was dark. It was forbidden. It was, you know, it was dangerous. So you took old ladies there. Well, <laughs> you know, it turns out most of my audience was older ladies, and you know they wanted. Hey, old to ladies are tough. Go off with Jim. That's yeah, true. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was many years That's and really fun. Cool. So where I had did, no idea. I know this is way back, but so where did you go on your mission? I just wondered if that. San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco, okay. right. I just wondered if that had anything wow. to do with it. So, you, what what made you decide to come back to Utah from from living and operating in Russia for so long? Well, really, I was I always kept a place here, so I was back and forth and back and forth. And Stephen um, uh, lived there, and then he decided to start a business here. And that started with some Russians that came to visit us. These these were kids that had had made at this very cusp of um, of the emerging Russian economy had made a lot of money. But like they they said, Jimmy, will you loan me ten thousand dollars? And so I scraped up ten thousand dollars. They went to Singapore and bought the very first computers. They weren't laptops. These were, you know, yeah, computer yeah. computers. And then they'd sell them for 20000 until eventually they were taking a million dollars in cash in briefcases to Singapore, buying computers and then making $2 million. So they all came to check out Salt Lake and to say hi uh, with their 
with their girlfriends and they came over here and then they went to Vegas and one night they didn't they 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 wanted to go out and so my friend Lee Williams took them to oh, what's the name of that place it's a strip club in Salt Lake and they were less than impressed <laughs> so he could have named can't any imagine of them. why any of there's them there's southern there's northern there's bush there's, so, I, yeah one of those places so lee said to them was it bad that i just said all yeah of <laughs> we need to start a nightclub here and i said well it's not going to be with poles i'll tell you that so with those guys as partners we started a thing that became club access um and oh, they really? were my partners, and that Stephen was, a, was my as my husband now. So, so he spent more time here, and I was over that there. That was a we super, super successful club. You can remember that. You're oh, too that young. Was, no, that <laughs> was uh, the height of Axis when it was doing its best before the Olympics, right? And right around that time, that was when I was still going to clubs. So, and we sold right after the Olympics. Intelligent, so. yeah. Intelligent. And then it went. Well, Stephen had it for ten years. It started as a place called the Vortex, which oh, was yeah. Vortex. Yeah, you guys remember that, huh? And did older he, than you so think. I heard an exchange you, place. This is this is me being a club kid and, and stuff in those days. Um, I, I I was under the impression he then went and started what was Club Naked, where Gracie's is at now. So a guy, uh, one of our managers. So after we sold we sold the club and. Uh, about 2002, this guy came in and he was inebriated. And look, I was never really there a lot. I mean, the customers would say to me, "Hey, what are you doing here, old man?" I mean, even then, <laughs> I would say, "I'm throwing you out so I can play with your girlfriend." You know, <laughs> you know. Anyway, we would, we would I would tease him That's back. Great. So a guy came in drunk one day and said, "I'm gonna, I want to buy this place." And blah, blah, blah. one thing led to another, and it turned out his wife was an immensely wealthy woman that you probably would know that I'm not going to use her name, but he just wrote out a huge check, and one day we were in business, and the next day we we were gone. So Stephen gave all of our managers a huge check, um, and a guy named Kerry was one of our managers, and he took his he took that money and went and started Gracie's and uh that was, what was so. There's a little bit of that yeah, truth yeah. to it. Yeah, Carrie Stringfellow is Inter name. interesting. That's uh, that's funny. I had no idea. And then politics. So, is yeah. everybody just bored to death? No, no. no. I'm just afraid that I can hear this. I'm just cold. Going on. No. Uh, uh, no, because our, our this, this is also interesting. No, we find this. Yeah. You you get to tell these same stories over and over, so it's probably more boring for you. But we're getting little tidbits that we haven't heard before. So no one's ever asked me these questions. Oh, see, that's good. <laughs> that's what we were going for. Well, and our audience will appreciate all of the, mm -hmm. the inside uh, knowledge. Uh, Jim yeah, DeBacchus, well. the pseudo club owner. <laughs> when they, when they that's the name up. of the episode. <laughs> you know, that's one of my passions now for the DABC because I I've been on the other side and saw how seen, I've seen how capricious and how arbitrary and how ridiculous and where there is no appeal. I mean, it is it it it, it just was a source of horrendous. I'll tell you where the where the beginning of my political. I think that was your yep. question. Where, where, where did that happen? <laughs> so we had a new mayor named Rocky Anderson who had been my lawyer, and Rocky came into town and uh, shook things up from the more conservative establishment, Didi Cordini, and 
he called me right after he was elected and he said, Jim, come over to the office. And it was impressive going to the mayor's office. And, and he said, look, I'm starting a, a small business committee and I would like you to be on it. And I said, yeah, I, don't, I don't like committees. I don't think so, Rocky. And he said, I'm your mayor. I'm not your <laughs> lawyer, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's a volunteer committee. And there's like, I don't know how many hundred of them. And I said, ah, I don't want to do this. And he said, you've got to do it, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, Rocky, I'll do it. So the city council had to approve it, but it's perfunctory. You know, they approve how many boards and commissions and whatever, except when it came to me. One of the members of the city council, who's now a very prominent politician, um, said, you know, I don't want him. And he sent emails around to the other city council people that said, you know, this is not somebody we want to be on a, on a board or a commission. So Rocky, who was new and naive, said, you know, Debacus, I want you to come over, come to the mayor's office. I'll invite the city councilman in. And, and once he meets you, you've never met him. You'll, you know, he'll see you'll, you'll be great on this board. So uh, the councilman came in and Rocky and I were there and I started talking to the councilman whipped off his glasses and he said, you know, Mr. Mayor, we just don't want someone like him on a public commission. And Rocky went ballistic. You know, I was, well, yeah, maybe he's got a point maybe. <laughs> You're used to being kicked out of things. Already, yeah, you so. know, it's no big deal. And Rocky went ballistic. You know, it looked like one of those cartoons, like his head started getting red and I just, I, I was afraid his head was going to completely blow off. <clears throat> and he said, what do you mean? What do you mean like him? What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? And, uh, you know, the guys. And Rocky just expected him to back off. And he said, well, you know what I mean. And so that was that. And I said, Rocky, I maybe he's right. You know, I'm going to Rocky. That made him more angry. So we walked away. I said, Rocky, it's not a seat on the Supreme Court. You know, I mean, who, who cares? So um he called back and I said, Rocky, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. And so Rocky's held a grudge a little bit ever since. But then as I was driving around, I thought, you know, that, that was an insult to me, but it was in Salt Lake City, an insult to so many other LGBT people. I mean, if we ever could get together, if we ever could politically organize, we could change the city. Yeah, for sure. Please so do. I the same thing about the Democrats. Yeah. Which, <laughs> turns out it's easier to get the gays together. Than, <laughs> well, they're a much more loving community, I think. They don't have a big parade every every summer. Well, they do, but we're not invited. <laughs> okay. So um, they um, so I sat down with Michelle Turpin and uh, Jane Marquardt and Bruce Bastian, and I said, you know, you guys, let's start a political organization because what I, this is an insult to all of us. And so uh, the four of us started a thing called Equality Utah, and that was my first kind of political experience. Um, a few years before, there had been a there, there was no real community center, not in a political sense. So uh, I got these same people together. I, I'd made a little bit of money in Russia, and I came back and asked Michelle Turpin, who was my lawyer. I said, you know, I want to uh, let's give a little money to some gay organization. And she went, and there, there had been a gay group, but it, it was for all not really functioning. So uh, I, we rented a bus, and we put a lot of 
reasonably well to do LGBT people on it with a lot of boxes of wine <laughs> and brought them around. <laughs> wine the, is a good thing. To the most dilapidated, miserable hellholes you could imagine <laughs> and said, you know, wouldn't this be good for a community center and that? And the, they got drunker and drunker. And uh, John Williams was with us. It was with gastronomy and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, uh, and, and, and a bunch of really cool people. So by the time we got to the final destination, which was what I knew we would, they would pick, it was more expensive than the rest, but it was decent. It was over by it West was High School. Also, after all the alcohol was. Yeah, decent. they were, they were there. <laughs> you and had I, a said, plan. I said, okay, you guys, this is it. This is the final one. So we got up, we took the tour, and they, everybody went, we want that one. And I said, okay, then we're going to have an auction here. And until we raise $20,000, nobody's leaving the bus because that's what we got to do. And so we raised the first twenty grand, <laughs> and that was kind of the beginning of, <laughs> of the Pride well, Center. Then. So my political, my political, I've always just been a kind of kooky political kid. But you created a functioning supportive it's, uh it's still very much a presence yeah today. gay gay lgbt i mean there weren't all I mean, those num- letters before but but you know but the, the interesting thing is after after i left the pride center it soared and the same is true with equality utah you know as soon as i i mean i can i'm good at starting stuff but you know, just yeah, but it doesn't soar without a good foundation. Yeah, yeah, created. Somebody's yeah, got to start it. You know, really good people managed I'll to come in and, 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 <laughs> and, and soar. Yeah, but those well. really good people weren't there to start it. Yeah, I mean, someone's yeah, got to take Eventually, it. somebody, everybody would have bumbled into it. But um, anyway. Well, and I think, you know, what you were saying earlier about needing to change Salt Lake City, I think to a large extent, that's that's happened for Salt Lake City. It has. I mean, the, the, the gay community in Salt Lake City, the LGBT community is, I mean, Salt Lake's one of the gayest cities in America now. It know, is. Very, very gay friendly. There's too many gays around. In Salt Lake. <laughs> 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 to transfer some to Provo or. Well, they've got they're the, down there, don't they're worry. They're, they're down there. They're, they're just afraid to say it. You know, go further to they like wanna, Nephi or. They Logan. Finish school. They yeah. Finish school first. <laughs> So I mean that's a that's a big thing that that actually brings up one of the questions that I had that um, so full disclosure I think the Democratic Party in the state of Utah are a bunch of jackasses for not supporting Misty Snowmore um, I think she without their support and with virtually no uh, campaign financing she she did a great job I mean that to me was was an amazing thing to see that come out of the state of Utah in, in terms of a you know an open historic yeah it really is it was historic. It's a terrible job, the party chair. You know, it's just, it's no win. It's, it's, uh, the truth is, the sad truth is that there's not a lot of support there. You know, the party, the party just doesn't have the kind of resources people think they do. So I I am kind of making an excuse because I agree with you. I think that. There's a lot of ways that don't even cost money that they weren't. I think they were a little bit ashamed of her. Yeah, well, and that, was, of, that was my big gripe. Like, I get it if they don't want to financially support her because they don't think it's a, a race they can win. And, you know, here in Utah, you've, you've got to pick your battles very, very carefully in terms of, of what you can and can't win. But even the emails that I would get from the Democratic Party in, in the middle of the campaign, you would have, you know, the governor, the, you know, different house districts. You'd have, you know, prominent state legislature, you know, seats. And then no mention of the Senate race. And I just thought that's a disservice to the party in general, not, you know, let alone Misty herself. So. I agree. 
I agree. I, I think there were a lot of Democrats, particularly out of Salt Lake, uh, who were just uh, uncomfortable. You know, they just were not. Um, they just wish somebody else had been there, even even if it would have been a loser. That somehow this sends all the wrong signals, which is yeah. a, a core problem for for Democrats. You know, we either stand for something or we don't. I mean, why do we want to elect somebody that is a Republican light? I don't, we might as well have a Republican, and we're not going to win that way anyway. Because no. if you're a Republican, are you going to vote for the Republican light or the real thing? I, I don't know. I, they have yet to explain to me how that's a winning strategy. <laughs> well, it's not obviously. Well, and it, the sad thing is, is it's more just a, it's not just Utah. I mean, obviously, it's across the country where Democrats are just lackadaisical about what they support and what they stand for, and they think that they can just get by with eh, somebody else will take care of it. I feel like, right. and in in Utah, and and I was one that used to feel this way. Well, my vote doesn't count, and it may not in the big scheme of things but we we're big proponents of vote local vote on your local local. stuff vote on your city stuff vote you know vote here vote where it counts and get the people here that that feel the same way that you feel (coughs) and by doing that then you can start to affect the stuff that goes on in the state and i think it's just it's nationwide democratically nationwide the Republicans have taken a very narrow slogan, less government, with two or three planks, and they have managed to pull together this coalition of completely different groups. And the the Democrats, we're, we need to find those commonalities and concentrate on them. Um, and so far, we, you know, look, what, what about just plain working people and raising, raising the minimum wage and making sure that families have health care? We don't need to get esoteric about it. We, uh, we ought to recognize that Democrats are never going to march in lockstep the way Republicans do. But on the other hand, we all could and should agree and focus on $7.24 an hour is absurd. It ought to be burned. Nobody ought to be working for that. It ought to be changed immediately. And in Utah right now and nationally, we ought to say, why would Utah turn down $747 million a year in Medicaid expansion? It's money that we've paid in. It's our money. It doesn't make any sense. So they're like depositing it in a safe in a safe savings, and then saying, "No, I I can't take that out. I can't use it. I'd rather I'd rather lose my home and not touch my savings." It's your money. You paid it. Yeah. I mean, the way I look at it, what the governor and the legislature have done in nineteen in two thousand and fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and so far in two thousand and seventeen, they run to the mailbox once a year. And there's Utah's allocation, the money we've sent that we paid back to Washington. They take the check for $747 million for health care. They rip it up there at the mailbox. They throw it in the air. And then they point their fist in the direction of Washington. And they go, there, that'll teach you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what happens. I mean, it is ludicrous. 
That's insane. 74% of Utahns agree with us. So why aren't we? Well, and that's what's Why crazy. aren't we focusing on that? How do these guys keep winning? Well, one, one reason is they run unopposed in a lot of cases. It's true. There's just not even an option on the ballot. That's always a that's always a concern. How do you get? Because you've been you've been a, the chair of the Utah Democratic Party, right? You're no right. longer that, right? Right. But, not that I know of. <laughs> <laughs> not for now. <laughs> I'll never be that again. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> that's a thankless job, I'm sure. I'm sure. It, uh, it's about one thing, and I, as I've looked at all the candidates now, I ask them one question: you say, "Look, I know, I know what you think it is—that it's giving speeches and inspiring people and." doing everything but i'm going to tell you before the speeches the day after you get in there you got four staff people and you've got rent and you got to come up with forty three thousand dollars a month so tell me how you're going to do that and i'll listen to all of your policy positions because you you got people that have mortgage payments that are yeah, working for a, you in healthcare. so how how are you going to come up with that and that's that's a reality that you can give all the speeches you want and have all the policy and everything, but as a party, and that's just to pay the bills. That's not giving Misty a dime, yeah. you know. Um, I think parties are kind of on the way out a little bit anyway. But That would be nice. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> so at what point, because you have that history in television and radio, you're so active on – Twitter, on Facebook Live, doing town halls, what point did it become important to you to be transparent? Well, because there is no transparency in state government. So when you you get elected a senator and you think, you know, I'm I'm just going to go in and I'm going to start changing things. And it turns out with only five out of 29 senators being Democrats, there's not much you can do. So re- remember in, because uh, you are kind of political wonks, I can tell. Remember in, <laughs> both in Texas and I believe in Wisconsin one time, the Democrats left the state mm-hmm. and they went and hid out so that they, they didn't have enough votes there to actually, they, they didn't have I a majority. That, yeah. They didn't have a, in Utah, they could have a quorum without us. So if we all went to Wendover, they would. Everything would just continue the way it is. Well, so you're, you're not even allowed on all the committees now, right? Well, they took power away yeah, from some of the lovely, most important committees. Lovely thing to be able to do. That's like being put in the corner. So the well, the question the question I had to ask myself is: Okay, what do I do? Do should I be like some Democrats that say, "Well, you have to play the game." Which is you have to vote for their bills. You got to smile. You have to be good. You have to, uh, you don't want to upset the Republicans or they won't pass any of your bills. And you got to, you got to play this game. And there are a lot of people that believe that that's the way to do it. Well, if they were giving us dramatic things like full Medicaid expansion or, another billion dollars a year for education funding or or working with students on their student loans, then it might be worth trading our integrity and our honesty and our outspokenness. But you know what they give us? 
maybe if you're good, you'll get a crosswalk or we'll, <laughs> you know, we'll yeah. give you this well, little bill or we'll give you that. Or, here you can have or even this. better, we'll just take more away from you. You can have, you can have no Zion curtain, but now you've got to have two other things. A moat. And a 160 yeah. page piece. Well, of and we did see how many bills you got passed this last year. Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> and, and I wear that as a badge of honor. You, you know, that, 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 so I, I just, look, when the president came, the, the president of the Senate is a, actually a very conservative, but very, uh, fair guy. His name is Wayne Niederhauser. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I would say. He's he, been around for a while. Too. He's superbly fair. Yeah. He, he's, he's not vindictive. He's not all that political. He's very conservative. But he's he's fair minded. So when when they had this flame throwing guy who should not have been elected senator, they were not they were quite cer- certain I wasn't going to win. I was running against Peter Caroon and uh, and Wilson, uh, Councilwoman Wilson, and they were pretty sure the bomb throwing Democratic chair isn't going to win. But I had a landslide. I won by four votes and. <laughs> went off. And so the president, they kind of called me in with the chief of staff and, and they said, you know, we have a different decorum kind of here than in the political. We are, we're more blah, 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 you know, we, and I get it, you know, and I, you won't see me attacking senators. I mean, I just, I just don't do it. Sometimes I'll attack ideas, but it's always, I'm very, uh, as far as the legislature is concerned, I, I, I don't go there. But they said, I said, they kind of were priming me to kind of calm down and be quiet and, you know, we're a more established body and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, look, here's what I'll do. I believe so passionately in education. If you'll make me a committee chair and give me $250 million that I can do whatever I want with an education, I'll shut up. I, I'll say, the only time I'll stand up is to say what a great president we have and what a wonderful Senate. <laughs> and they I'll, make you do that? And like, I'll just sit down and do that. For, cause if I'm going to be a whore, I want to be a whore for a committee chair and 250 or 300 million dollars that is really going to have some impact. Of course, everybody laughed. It couldn't really happen. You can't have a Democratic chair of a committee and nobody's going <laughs> to give you the money and the rest. But nonetheless, I think I made my point, which is, All right, I am going to bring up the Equal Rights Amendment. I'm going to bring up liquor. I'm going to talk about what's really happening. Now, the price I pay for that is I'm not going to get my crosswalk. So this year, I just decided, you know what? I'm not even going to pretend. I'm just going to go in. I have to be a voice. And I'm, as I look around, I'm the one that gets up and says, you guys, you can't do this. Look at what you're doing here. Look what you're doing there. This is wrong. So that's why, that's why you'll see. Look, the other years I passed bills, some, some of them really important. I decided if I have a really important bill, something very important to me this year was the no promo homo bill. That was great. That's an awesome bill. Yeah. If you look at the no promo homo bill, or if you look at the non-discrimination bill, the historic non-discrimination bill from two years ago, mm-hmm. my name is not on it. There's Republicans' name on that. <laughs> yeah. They're all Republicans. If I have a great idea, 
I go to one of my friends, I go to one of my colleagues and say, here, there it is, because it passes and it passes better. So I'm not all tied up. There's 550 bills passed. And if my name is on it or not, eh, you know, what difference does it make? It's 550 bills. I could have passed three bills. I mean, there was a bill that they came to me that said, you can't use sun lotion in public schools. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah I saw that. So would you carry that? And I said, no. I said, find a Republican. It'll go through. Yeah. And I, I, so for me, my power doesn't come from that one out of 29 votes. And a lot of times it's 28 to one. But it is standing up there and making everybody a little bit uncomfortable and just kind of saying the truth. And so if I do happen to have a good idea, I'm passing it along and it still becomes law. But my ego has to face the the issue of, you know, that wasn't my bill. I appreciate, though, that you're saying what so many of us are wishing would be said, like the point oh five. <laughs> Did you have a passion for that because you were a, a club owner at one time? Is that, or I mean, it's or just because stupid, you know you're a logical person? Because it's ridiculous. Because I know they say things. They're not bad people. They're not bad people. But they they don't understand our world. And frankly, a lot of us don't really understand their world. It's like the secret shopper thing, right? Like the secret shopper in the liquor store. And then the question gets asked, have you ever been in a liquor store? <laughs> like they just, they're, they're creating legislation. And I'm just using a general term, but they're creating legislation on things they've never had a real personal experience with in a lot of cases. And they, they don't have the humility to recognize that there's a certain smugness and arrogance. There was an issue about having only one drink before you. So oh, in, yeah. a, in a restaurant, you know, you, you want to pour the wine sometimes and let it breathe. And then you have a cocktail as you're doing that. They, they don't grasp they're clueless that. or during the debate on the point Oh five where they said, and I heard the governor himself pick up this, that, you know, really, this will increase tourism because people will understand that our roads are safer than Colorado and California and Nevada. And on and on saying, or th this one, <laughs> well, no one will ever know that people are, if they don't manifest any outward signs, they will never know that people are point zero five if you've been around that. clubs at all you recognize that at closing time there are over. police that are stalking drivers and they follow them until at best the explanation is they follow them until they don't make a signal or they mm -hmm. do this or that when sometimes they just follow them and think hey you know let's take a shot at this guy they don't understand that. So you you have this. The person I'm concerned about with a .05 is the person who had a, one glass of wine for dinner or maybe two. They're pulled over, and it's prima facie, which is really an important distinction that you didn't hear them talk about. So if you're at 0 0.8, automatically you're DUI. And it doesn't matter what kind of evidence you bring in. That's it, which means your insurance rates go sky high. A lot of people lose their job. You lose security clearances. You have a lot of trouble. 
this is going to lower that. So when that cop follows somebody from a bar and they blow at 0.5 prima facie their DUI. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen to a lot of people that can't afford to pay three times more in car insurance? They're not going to get it. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a lot more people driving without car insurance, and they're not drunk. And the and the legislature just didn't know that. I don't get it. That's what. That's what I. That's what I'm standing up for. You know, the people at 1.2, <laughs> and remember, <laughs> they're going to drive at 1.2 down, down the road. road. Yeah, this isn't going to stall them. And three quarters of the DUIs come at that three point. Uh, uh, that three point. <laughs> that's only me at three point two. One point two. One point two and above. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know. It's, well, that's the thing is it's not going to defer those people who drink and drive. People anyway. who already yeah, drink and drive a, are already drinking and driving way above the it, the old legal limit. Instead, right. what it's going to do is cause Colorado Board of Tourism to put out full-page ads that say, thanks, Thank Utah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so the to the to the two-drink-on-the-table thing, I mean, how often has the waitress come up to you and said, do you want another drink? And you say, yeah, and she's like, you still have it, and you go. Yeah. yeah. And you down your drink down. as fast as you can Chug and set it. it down so she can bring you your other drink. Yeah. Like, you're causing some people to drink faster where they would have maybe had two or three sips left of their drink they just chugged it because you know their waitress might not be back around for another 15 minutes what, and they don't want to wait for their when other that drink passed, when that passed we were kind of joking around a few weeks ago maybe they should do that with caffeinated drinks sell them at a special store where you would only get it during certain hours not on holidays and tax the hell out of it and what? see how they like that I was talking to my ex-husband about it and I said yeah. how much coke do you drink a week at least a couple liters. I said, I maybe drink a bottle of wine a month. Right. You know? You're not drinking. Like, you're right. going to make <laughs> way more off of his Coke than you would ever make off of the wine or the vodka that I drink. It's, ever. It is, uh, it, I think, I think what happened, nobody expected this bill to pass. And it wasn't going to pass. And Herbert. And Greg, um, Greg Hughes is against this bill, the Speaker of the House. And he spoke out quite forcefully. And I said, Greg, what the hell? You know, <laughs> you're the Speaker. How did this thing get by? And I think what happened, he didn't say, but I think what happened is a lot of bad bills get killed by amendments. So they either die from the weight of amendments which were put in there to kill the bill or the amendment in effect guts whatever it is that is to be done and then then everybody can vote for it there was an amendment that would have um, made utah the fourth state no if three other states went to the 0.5 then utah would have automatically gone there and that was their way to kind of kill it because there's no other state that that is going to no. going to do And they were this. like, ha ha ha, let's be the first. So they sent that proposed amendment off to the LDS Church, Ugh. and the LDS Church said, "No, we're not supporting that." So when that came back, the momentum was already building for it. When they came back and said no, then it went through like a wildfire through the House, and then it came over to the Senate, and off it went. Smart people knew that this was a bad bill, that it was the wrong thing. They even put a an effective date that's a year and a half away because they knew it was goofy. 
Um, that doesn't mean that, that it's going to change, though. No, and that was the thing that killed me when Herbert's like, well, I'm going to sign it, but I'm going to sign it with the understanding that we're going to talk some more about it. Well, then don't sign it. Send yeah. it back and make the legislature write it properly. And what if they don't? Exactly. Well, and that's my point. They're under no obligation to change it. You've signed their bill. Like, it's going to become law whether they make additions to it or not. So, I think that's a little crazy. So, the legislative session ends. Chaos in our <laughs> in our political climate <laughs> nationally. How do you stay sane through all of it? How do you de-stress and just... You know, I, I, I set my own goals. So you ask most legislators, what is your goal? And it has to do with how many bills did I pass? And I don't go there. My aspirations for a legislative session are how was I able to get my message across? How was I able to persuade more people? How was I able to, and was I able to unite more progressive people? Uh, was I able to articulate through whatever sources I can find the fact that there are other perspectives? And so it's easier for me to because I'm living in my own little bubble, I suppose, <laughs> to say, you know, you should go I, home and watch the Americans. I, yeah, I'm, I'm just doing <laughs> fine uh, when there's chaos all around me. Um, because if the other alternative is to completely put my evaluation of my own success in the hands of the Republicans, in which case only bad things happen. They'll just always fail. Yeah. So uh, I feel... I feel good about what happened. Okay, a couple more questions and I'll let you go. So the first one is, I've heard that, that your husband, Steve, leaves, not just leaves Utah, but leaves the country when the <laughs> legislature is in session. We want to know where he goes. Yeah, is that true and where does he go? So we went to, uh, we went to Cuba in the mid-90s and Stephen um, was, was a party guy you know from yeah. the nightclubs yeah, yeah. And so he went down and had a great time we went down and then he went back because we'd met some cubans and with the objective of having the first rave this was when <laughs> raves were a big deal in havana but not for profit you know not for money so he went down i didn't go he went down with uh, some suitcases and they had glow sticks and they had um <laughs> temporary tattoos and all the regalia of a rave and they had they had decided where to have it and, uh, and made arrangements with some cubans to to have this terrific party so it got out of control <laughs> he was staying at the hotel capri and he and lee and by by the by the third night that he was there because they'd had some little invitations there were five or six hundred people out, young people outside of the Capri waiting for an invitation. Oh, wow. And they had gone out on the beach and, and were putting temporary tattoos on people and people were going crazy and hundreds of kids were coming from everywhere. And so the Cuban government came wandering in. <laughs> and you got kicked out of there too. The secret police and they said, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so they took Stephen and Lee. I wasn't there. Uh, off to 
prison. Oh no! So Stephen couldn't speak a word of Eng- of Spanish at the time. So this is answering your oh, question. Man. So he couldn't speak any Spanish at all. And, and they put they put him about nine or ten in this cell, and there was one toilet in the middle. And they were on these steel slabs with wool blankets, and it's about 120 degrees. And so, as all of this happened, um, Stephen decided, you know what, I really want to learn Spanish. (laughs) That's where we're going. And on the day that his flight was scheduled to go back, which was four days after he got arrested, they came in and charged him $30 a day for the prison, for the jail. And then, um, they, they carted him off and Steven said, you got to understand, we get, we got to the, uh, we got to the airport and the police had these megaphones and they said, uh, criminali, criminali. And they, they <laughs> parted everybody at the airport and then they put us on the back of the plane <laughs> to go back to Mexico City. And he said, and then they had these guards surrounding the plane like we were going to escape, you know, back in Havana. So he got home and he said, that's it. I'm learning Spanish. And so he went to a place called Cornavaca, which had a lot of language schools. And then we fell in love with Cornavaca and got a place down there. So he, five days before the legislative season starts, he that this was a long time ago. This was 2003, I think. So we've been... Cornavaca a long time so five days before the legislative season starts until five days after he's out of here (laughs) did you say he just went to India as well yeah he's he travels a lot of the time so he was in India now he's in Budapest Um, so we're that's 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 funny. That's, I just wanted to know. So that, that was a long <laughs> story. No, that's no it was a, <laughs> the kinds of things we want to hear about. Get, well, there's one ad. To, there's one ad to there. that. So the guy that put that the guy that put that party on is a guy named Adalberto, and Adalberto subsequently escaped from Cuba, <laughs> is in Salt Lake, and has an unbelievably great pastry shop called Emulsions and yeah. Something that is uh, that. Yeah, I know that place. We need to interview him. Jess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jessica, oh, get on that. Adalberto, yeah, because it's Joe, such a Jim cool Jebeck thing. Said so, and he's he's done an incredible thing. But it all started Emotions back from the fillings. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. So Adalberto is that guy. <laughs> After the party, they wouldn't let him work. I'm which like, is, hey, you want to go to a rave? <laughs> <laughs> After <a> podcast, <laughs> the government wouldn't let him work, which is bad when the government has every job in the country yeah, so communist. you know not, anyway <laughs> he's done well <laughs> okay so Funny. we have one more question we'll let you get out of here so we ask every guest on the show this um you've you've been around the world not just utah and you've, you've come back and this is this is where your home is um if if you had someone coming to visit utah and there was one thing that you you think they should they have to do before they leave the state what would, what would that be Ooh. Wow. Go clubbing at Axis. <laughs> <laughs> it's, they uh, can't anymore. It's not even, that building's not Northern even Exposure. Northern Exposure. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Um, wow. One thing, because it matters who they are. But I like that nature of your question. Let's not alter it. So where would you take, you know, uh, I mean, anywhere in the state or? Anywhere. Yeah, anywhere. Oh, a restaurant. Wow. Anything. Eating, got all of doing, okay, whatever. then that's a simple question for me. <laughs> I would get them in the car 
and take them to Dead Horse Point. Ah. And I would say it took 300 million years to make this view. I mean, I, I don't know. There's a lot of beautiful places in southern Utah, but there's something for me very special about Dead Horse Point. There don't seem to be so many tourists there, and it just speaks to me. I don't know how you can go there and be human and not be moved by what you see. It is uh, it is just a, it's a place of magnificence that that is creates such an object that we need to be protecting and taking care of. We didn't even talk about this, but that's okay. Yeah. So the rough, the <laughs> we'll rough answer is back, I, guess. <laughs> I take them to Dead Horse Point. That's that's good. You're the first person to say that. Yep. That's, that's very good. Good job. Cool. What we do like people say? Roost one. Cafe or no, no. People are a lot of parks. A lot some of salt flats. Salt flats was one of them. Yeah, I think the Spiral Jetty was one of them. Oh yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of there's lots. But of it's stuff you know the Spiral Jetty, which I love. It's on, it's on my Facebook, uh, whatever you call that thing. That the background, the wallpaper. Yeah, the wallpaper. Uh, but it's man-made. You know, yeah. you just looked at that magnificence and you go, oh, how can this be? How can something be this overpowering and beautiful? And I spent last week in the Grand Canyon and, the, you know, I still, I don't, it's a nice canyon, but, you know. It's grand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't think Southern Utah right. has to take a back step to any of them. No. Anything in Arizona. Up, take, a, take a hike up Angel's Landing and Williams and then tell me the Grand Canyon's cool. Exactly. Yeah, my daughter, uh, she goes to school in Cedar, and some of her friends were going on Angel's Landing. And I said, I really don't want you. She goes, oh, I can't. I have other things to do. And I said, I am ever so grateful that you can't go up on – because two people had just died oh. like a couple of weeks before from falling off of it. That's right. That's right. So. We, I, I, I think that we might ha- – I'm going to derail this just for a second because I think we might have time for just maybe another question. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. a couple questions. Um. We're in a climate right now that people want to be doing something, whether it's protesting, they don't want to lose that fire under them. What would you give them that is actionable? We know we need to donate. We know that we need to go to town halls, but they want something actionable. That is the problem. And we we give too much to actionable groups and people that are um that are sincere and wonderful and red hot at the moment but who fade and they take their lists with them and they take their organizing with them and they take their uh, and, and I'm not talking about any kind of flimflam thing here I'm saying that movements come and they people rally and there's lots of them and they give all their names and their money and then a year later, they're kind of gone. So my vision at damndabacchus.com, <laughs> D-A-M-N, D-A-B-A-K-I-S, is, is simple. And it is, I am preparing right now for 2018 every day. And I have a legislative map on my wall. And I know where we can win, and I know where it's almost virtually impossible. So, just like when you're going to Vegas, 
you want to play the best bet. It doesn't mean you're going to win, but there's no sense in playing something that's probably not going to win. So I have 10 legislative races that I know we can win. So my vision is from Cache County to Washington County, from Vernal to Wendover, that we as progressive people, we focus, we lock in, and we say there's a woman on the Heber City Council that can win a house race. There's a doctor in Sandy that can win a house race. There is a terrific young man who works for a startup, Peter Tamala, who came 134 votes away in West Valley. There are people right now that I want and am saying, you need money for a website? The Democratic Party has a whole process. It's, it starts in, it ends in November of uh, 2018. And then there's a convention before that in June or July. Well, what the hell? We need, we need candidates before six months. Yeah. Right. And so, but the party has constraints and it can't do that and it can't pick and blah, 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 blah. Well, I don't have those constraints. I know who these people are and I know the good ones and I know the ones that are going to work their butt off. And I know that the, the districts, doesn't matter how good you are in, in Utah County, you're not going to win. So do you really want to put a lot of time and effort? And, but if we all the progressive people, thousands, tens of thousands of them, if we all said, all right, these are our 10 people and we're all in, we're going to volunteer. And that means calling in from Cache County. And that means from Vernal. And that means from all across and volunteering and doing things. We can do it on the phone. We can do things and take these candidates and prepare them now. You know, they're saying we need money this year to have a float in the Strawberry Day Parade, but they don't have money, and they're not going to have this stamp of a of a Democratic candidate until much later. So that's my pet project, to take a few people, work with them on how to communicate, work with them on money, make sure they've got a plan to win. If we won 10 seats in the Utah legislature, wow. that'd be huge. you know, and we can do it. We can do that. I'm convinced. So that's what the goal, my goal is right now. That's what I'm working for every day. I'm collecting as many emails as I can, keeping people in touch. Look, I don't take money. I've never spent a dime of state money. I've never, they give me two or $3,000 a year to take trips on for free. I've never spent it. I, I'm just not there. I don't, I I believe in collecting the money and making my point and helping these people get elected. That's where I want to go. That's where my emphasis is. I probably got a little too serious there, but it's okay. Stamdebacus <laughs> dot com. At least, uh, at least go there and and get an email. And um, so you have do you have three three websites running? The Up Progressives. Debacus, Cacus, and now. Yeah, I would go. Debacus. We're kind of consolidating everything on damndebacus.com because it was well, getting a little diffuse there. So <laughs> that's what we're doing. So damndebacus.com. Yeah. Well, you know, there's some, there's some, right after the elections, we were talking about this, that there were some Republicans that ran completely unopposed. Had people have known or realized a few months in advance, that could have changed possibly. 
Well, that and and we ought to do that. And I think the party's good at that. You know, when they ought to be alerting everybody, and we ought to have somebody and run everywhere. But what I'm what I'm saying is a little bit different. You could run Mitt Romney in Utah County in legislative races with it with a Democrat after his name, and he would lose. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, start with the science. And the science tells us it's creepy what Vote Builder can tell you about people. You know, I could take each of you or one of you, take your name, pull you up on Vote Builder, and say how many times you voted in the last 15 years and rank you, rank you by your likeliness to vote uh, for who you voted for. I can say who you voted for. Uh, we can say so much information. I mean, the, the state party now, um, does some polling every year. We take that polling and we put it with commercial information. So half of the three hour poll is what is your voting? The other half is what kind of ketchup do you use or, or ketchup versus salsa? And what kind of car do you drive? And what newspapers do you subscribe to? And there is an eerie, miserable <laughs> correlation so that what the state then does is we go to, um, we go to national companies who then provide this, you know, like when you go to Smith's and you use your Smith card, there's an economic profile. Oh, yeah. So we take the economic profile and we run it up against the vote profile and we can tell where our voters are. You need all the ramen voters. <laughs> it's creepy. It's creepy. I hate it. I hate it. But once we know that, you can say, look, in West Valley, there's a guy there who's been in office. He's completely, he killed Medicaid expansion himself. Representative Dunnigan. Yeah. He's you know? my representative. Yay. You know, <laughs> that's a democratic seat. So with this information, we can tell, you know, like 3,500 people voted in that election. So we can, we can identify for that candidate, for that progressive candidate, we can identify these are the 1,571 people that will vote for you. You, you don't even have to worry about the other 33,000 people in that district. They all go to Jiffy Lube, so hand out flyers at Jiffy Lube. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying there's science to it and we, we can take, we can take these ten seats. I'm confident of that. But well, and the trick is, you know, yeah, we we have a guy run down in Provo for for a seat, but the people that would volunteer and help with that campaign should be helping with a campaign we can win, right? Yeah, that's a hard argument to make to the candidate. You know, so what I say is, look, you guys, we're not we're not against you in any way, but here's what we're saying: we're going to grow out of Salt Lake and Summit and hopefully Weber County here. And then. And then we're going to get to you. But this system we've used now, which is diffusing our resources, it hasn't worked in 38 years. You know, that doesn't help that our boundaries look like somebody well, took a paintbrush and flicked it on the and, state. And what's going to happen in 2018, whatever we decide there, they're going to get the next census data, right? Right. And they're going to get to re-gerrymander again if they want. You can't imagine the difference 10 seats would make in it's that. It's huge. It's huge. Let me tell you how that works for a second. 
Take Tooele. Tooele, because there's a lot of government workers over there, has traditionally been a democratic area, believe it or not. And they know that. So when the redistricting, when the gerrymandering came about, there should be one house seat in Tooele County. Right. It's about, you know, 50,000 people there. So they knew that. If they made Tooele County, that would be very competitive for the Democrats. But it would also put people of interest together, you know, the same county. That It would make some sense to do that. So what do they do? They cut Tooele County into three. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they still have to come up with 35,000 people. So how do they do that? They actually won't go from Tooele County all the way down to the Four Corners area to pick up <laughs> enough rural people to do that. And in Ogden, Ogden would be, there's 100,000, 94, 95,000 people in Ogden. There's 100,000 seats in a Senate seat. Would they make, let Ogden be a Senate seat? No, they would lose it. So they split Ogden up into three. So you, but you still have to come up with a hundred thousand. So you go from 15th Street in Ogden all the way across two counties and you end up with the outlet mall in Summit County. So they can draw that to take any ability or any representation away from the people of Ogden. So we end up with a guy like Chris Stewart. Everybody in Salt Lake has Chris Stewart as their congressman. How does that happen? They they got their computers mm-hmm. together. They said, okay, Farmington to Bountiful, that's going to be a third of the seat. Then Washington County, St. George is going to be a third of the seat. And then we will poison Everybody in Salt Lake City by surrounding them by these other two thirds. So true, though. So we have no representation in Washington. None. You know, the progressive point of view, 35, maybe even higher percentage of the votes, zero representation because Farmington, it's bountiful, and then Washington County, and then completely drowning the voice in our representative government of every, not every person, because some agree, but the vast majority of people in Salt Lake City. And so they get those clowns on the stage once every few years when they can talk to them, and they don't understand why are all these wild animals there? It's because we have no voice in Washington. We have 30, 35% of the population and no voice, none. Orrin Hatch? Give us one. Mike Lee? Yeah, of course. That's how it should go. Sorry. No. So does that no, mean that you're going to be running again? I only would run for things I could win. Governor? You know? I mean, so do you think, what about what about Matheson's old seat in District 1? Oh, you should run for that because then you could come back to my... Because we have stupid Mia Love out of <laughs> So, I mean, she... I started hating Orange because of her, and Orange is not a bad color. <laughs> so, I look, I, I, I think... I think part of why, and I don't know because I don't know Jim, but I think part of why he he stopped is he almost lost, and I don't think he wanted to lose. Well, and he I, was kind I of a conservative Democrat as far as Democrats go, oh, he and was so a I think he was pretty. Or <laughs> he was a Republican. <laughs> I mean, the same thing. Yeah, conservative Democrat. But I mean, he was easy to vote for until they started slicing and dicing the districts. But that's a that's a district still, even with the crazy lines that I think we could win. I mean. She won by a very narrow margin that first term. The last term was was not quite as nice, but I don't I I don't 
unless something dramatic happens, something interesting is going to happen over the next few days. And I'm not sure when the podcast is going to be, so I don't, I don't want to date us. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. So something happened yesterday that I can't comment on because <laughs> I don't know because it hasn't happened yet. But there is a House seat going on now in Kansas that is in a Matheson kind of very Republican district. Let's see how the Democrats do. Let's see if Trump is able to motivate enough Democrats to go out. And there's also another House seat coming up next week in Georgia and uh, I believe in Montana. There's there's another one. So if if it causes Democrats to get out and vote and Republicans are kind of sluggish because they're not all that wild anyway, <laughs> that changes that the changes the map uh, for all of us. But right now, run for something? What? There's no reason to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars and beat your head against the wall. No, a Democrat cannot beat Gary Herbert or whoever yeah. the Republican is running for governor. And I, myself, I don't believe those legislative seats are competitive. I think they're made with cray computers in the basement of the Republican National Committee and they go house by house and they, they do. you know, they're just not, they're not beatable. So I don't, I, I see no reason to run for something unless I can win. At least I have a shot at winning. So we know that, that you're short on time, but I, all of this has been very passionate. Um, How do we get you, other people to be passionate like right. you? <laughs> um, you are omnipresent throughout. All of Utah. You really are. I've seen you at events Whoa. all over the place. Being a voice for the LGBT community, what issues do we need to be fighting the hardest for in Utah right now? What do you say? You know, it's an interesting question now uh, that I've been thinking about and actually talking to the leaders of the LGBT community now recently because you, if you drive around, there are physical remnants of organizations that were unable to keep up with the times. You know, you see the Odd Fellows Club or you see the Masonic Temple or you can see the remains of the Italian American community center that that is in a preserved in a very cool building that's downtown that you should go see sometime. But these are organizations who basically aren't necessary or they assimilated or somebody thing else took their place. I mean, how many of you have friends that have joined the Masons or become an odd fellow? I mean, it, it, <laughs> well, I went and visited the Masonic temple cause it's cool, but you know. it's very cool, isn't it? So now what happens to the LGBT community? If now that we can get married and there still are problems and there's going to be another generation or two of the fight, but what, what happens? Where should we be going? So there's, there are those that are saying, uh, we should adopt the Jewish community center model. I mean, the, the Jewish community centers were around when the Elks were around and they have morphed with the times to become now, uh, a facility that meets the needs of the Jewish community. And that's where the pride center and to some extent equality ought to go. Others are saying, no, you know, you, we ought to, we ought to stay with the with the oppressed people within the LGBT community, you know, and let's create a home for them. And so there's, it's an interesting kind of debate, and I think it's healthy, and I think it's good that the that the Equality and the Pride Center and the AIDS Foundation and a lot of other LGBT smart LGBT people are thinking about the next fifteen or twenty years and where where we go. 
Well, I think that's uh, all we've got because I think you have to go. But, uh, well, I ha- I enjoyed this. It's so cool to see some uh, some fellow progressive people that are here. <laughs> well, next time, let's do this up at the legislature. Oh, I would know? love to. I, would love I used to I used to work for the hospital association, and so we used to oh. go up there. And I I kind of miss a little bit of that action of being up there and setting up things. For so the, you know exactly what's going on up there. I do. Yeah. Plus, you give great tours. Mine. Yeah. <laughs> it's because I make stuff up. Hey, it works. <laughs> you know, I thought more people should just go and visit just to see what what's happening up there. Because I think a lot of people feel like it's go talk to your so separated. Yeah. No matter what side of the aisle they're on, you're their constituent. You can go to their office. Especially if they're on the other side. You yeah. Know? yeah. We'll so get paid can, to go. Huh? It's hard. Yeah, for, somebody will pay you, right? It's hard for them there? to it's hard for them to avoid you if you show up in their office day after day. Persistence, <laughs> right? Oh wait, I think we knew, we or, learned about that from, or call from their the office. senator. You just yeah. show up every day show and then when somebody <laughs> finally gives you a foot in the door, you show up at six AM and you stay there. And then you close. wait by their car. It's true. If you have no life like me, then that's what you, that's what you do. Well, thanks so, so much for Thanks you guys. You so thanks much. for what you're doing. It's so important that we bring our community together, that we focus, and that we, within limits, because we are kind of progressives, and you know we're not, we're never going to be in that lockstep kind of (laughs) kooky republicanism where we all just gather around mine. Well, I won't go there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, anyway, thank you so much. It's been really fun. Thanks, Senator. Take care. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for the night. Um, thanks again to Jim DeBacchus. What a cool guy. Um, yeah, really, really great guy. And what amazing stories. I'm kind of I'm <laughs> blown away. Um, I did want to bring something else up before we go. I, I hate ending the show on a bummer, but I think it's worth it. Um, so if, if you guys, if, if you're out there and, and you don't have someone to talk to or feel like you're all alone or uh, you know someone, um, that's having trouble. Um, the suicide prevention hotline is out there. Um, you can go to suicide.org if you want, or you can go, uh, call 1-800-784-2433. Um, just reach out to someone. There, uh, um, over the last, uh, two and a half, three weeks, there have been, uh, two more trans suicides, uh, in the Salt Lake Valley. Um, no more like we have to do something for these kids I know that's a big stretch and and when I say kids I mean they're kids and 15 um, 16 17 years old yeah so Kiana Jones and Jasmine Lewis um, are the gals who um, decided that they didn't have enough support and that that was an answer Um, there is also an LGBT hotline as well which is 866-4-U-TREVOR, and also the... Do you know what the actual numbers for no. that is? So well, this and it's 4 you the letter U. Yeah, yeah. so it's 866-48... I'm doing this as we go here. 8738-6... It's giving people time to write it down. Seven... <laughs> Oh my hell! So I, I lost track. Or did you, did you just say way too many numbers? <laughs> you stop talking over there. You no, shut your damn it's mouth. <laughs> it's really important that that we lend an ear for these kids. They might not have the support due to an LDS family or 
any other number just of circumstances. Yeah, many, just jerks. That is way too many damn numbers. Well, of course it is, uh, but if you dial them all, so it doesn't matter. So it's 866-488-7386, and then you can add an extra eight on the end for some reason. Because um, it spells Trevor. Yeah. And I'm sure it's a memorial. As in the tre- of Trevor Project. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, yeah, don't feel alone. Reach out. You can reach out to us. Yeah, reach we out have to a us. Messenger. Um, someone watches our Twitter. Um, it's not me, but, uh, uh, <laughs> usually Jess and Jeremy spend more time on that, that monster than I do. Um, and that's a, at TNU podcast. Uh, you can reach out on our Facebook. I do, uh, look at Facebook quite a bit. Um, and that's just the new Utah podcast on Facebook or, uh, the new Utah.wordpress.com if you want to. You can reach out there too. Yeah, reach out on our blog. Um, that's a great place to go. Even though you listen to the episode, some of the links to the articles that we kind of go over are there. The um, events. The events are always listed there. And other shit that Jess likes to put up. The, the she highlights people's, uh, people's one thing. One thing from Utah. Um, and, the websites uh, that people mention. Yeah, so uh, lots of good stuff there. And, uh, you know, go check us out. Uh, whatever platform you listen to us on, uh, leave a, a review on it. It, it helps. Um, let us know what you think, and uh, if you don't like us, then then you can tell us, and we <laughs> we might change something, or we might say go fucking listen to someone else. Um, <laughs> probably not the latter, um, but uh, that's it. I think we're done. Good night, James. What? Good night, James. Did you guys say that in like unison? No, I said good night. He said James. And then James left me.